welcome to this nice Good Friday service. How's everyone this evening? Good. Well, I want to take a few minutes before we get started tonight. It's a unique service tonight, and I'll explain it as we go a little later. Um, but I want to take some time this evening just to get some business out of the way. Uh, first, I want to remind you that this is just one of three services this weekend. For those of you that are going to be attending this weekend, maybe either tonight or tomorrow morning at sun or Sunday at sunrise, or maybe the 10 o'clock service. Sunrise at 7 a.m. will have the entire choir singing four or five songs for you in the morning, followed by a miracle service and a message from Pastor Dosik himself. As well as the 10 a.m. service, don't worry if you can't get there at the 7 a.m. service, the 10 a.m. service, the choir will be present again, doing, uh, I think, a couple more songs than they did in the morning hours. But there won't be a miracle service. It will just be a deliverance of the word. And there will be also communion in that sunrise service, not the 10 a.m. service. So that will help you choose which service you come to. Um, with that being said, tonight, before we get started, um, we would like to pass out a card to everyone here tonight. This will be going along with the theme of the, um, I want to call it a theatrical reading tonight that will be happening. We would like to encourage you um, that you'll notice this card says, What the Cross Means to Me. This will be our lyrical content for tonight, and the liturgy that we are speaking will be based directly upon what the cross means to us. And four individuals will share their story with you, and it will be broken with times of worship and music and reflection tonight as well. However, as we go through that, and maybe you know right now what the cross means to you, and that's fine, then take the time to write that down. But if you don't, follow along the journey tonight, and maybe, just maybe, what it means to one of us will be something that will remind you of what it means to you. So as you go through the night, write it down, and we're going to later um, lay these at the cross in remembrance of what Christ went through tonight. And just out of the tenderness of our heart as we remember what he went through this day to say it wasn't for nothing. Thank you. All right? So keep that in your hand. Um, with, with that this evening, we want to be sure that we give you the chance we want to do our offering straight away tonight so that we don't break up the service and what it has. If this is going to be your only service with us this weekend, we want to be sure that there's a place for your tithes and offerings straight away. And if not, we'll see you next Sunday if you're not going to be with us. I know a lot of you go out with family and friends and you meet up that you haven't seen for years. So that's a good thing. We encourage family. It's a great time at Easter to do that. So if you would, ushers, while you're passing out the cards, there's envelopes in the back of your pews. We're going to go ahead and do that if you'll prepare your tithe and offering. I'm going to double work the ushers tonight and get them moving. What do you think? Pastor Kylan, before we started tonight, we went back in the back for a moment of prayer. And we felt that tonight, after we're done with our offering and, and you guys have your cards out, um, we felt that it would be the honorable thing to do to start out tonight with some minutes of prayer. So tonight we'll participate in five minutes of reflection and prayer together. And then also, when the earth shook and the veil was torn, there was a time of silence. So we too will just experience 30, 40 seconds of sheer silence. And we'll direct you and guide you through it, but it's just simply in remembrance of that evening. All right? So if you would, we're going to go ahead and pray over your tithes and offerings. Ushers, I know I'm causing you to book around over there. If you would, get the offering buckets and we're going to pray. Father, we just come before you, and Lord, we just count it an honor to be with you this evening on this Good Friday. 
patterns so many years ago, Father, watching what you've done at the cross and remembering it tonight. Father, we stand in awe of who you are. We count it an honor, Father, to be able to give, to be able to receive tonight the word of the Lord, to be able to worship and pray. Father, and even reflect in a time of silence with you tonight as we remember your son Jesus and the price he paid at Calvary. God, with this offering and our tithes tonight, Father, we give it to you. We take this time as a time of our worship, Father, to bless you in the house of God. And Lord, we thank you that as we give, Father, you said it give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Father, we give knowing that your word will not return void into your people. And Father, we thank you for it tonight and give you praise and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can bring your tithes and offerings and then we'll direct and get through a word of prayer tonight. Thank you. We thought it'd be very appropriate to lead into our service tonight with a short time of prayer. So how about for five minutes, as she said, let's just spend time seeking the Lord, inviting the Holy Spirit to be here with us tonight. So we capture the essence of what tonight is all about, Good Friday, and certainly what that means for us. Amen. So you can stay at your seat. You're, you're welcome to actually get up and move around. I know some people like to walk and pray. I know this is a little unusual, and if you're new with us tonight, um, we, you know, we like to do things different every once in a while, and tonight's one of those nights, and certainly uh, the way the service is going to go tonight is going to be different than normal. But uh, nothing wrong with taking this time in prayer. It's a good thing. Amen. So let's head into that now for about five minutes or so, and then when that time is closing up, it's just simply when... Uh, we head into a little bit of our worship tonight. Okay, so let's take some time and pray.
What does the cross mean to me? You see, I don't belong here. I really don't. Where I truly belong is on a cross instead of my king. And when I reflect on the cross and the sacrifice that was paid, I can't help but feel this sense of obligation that someone took my consequence before I was even born. That someone loved me so fiercely that death didn't even scare him off as he took my place. The first thing that comes to my mind about the cross is love. And I compare this type of love to the only thing on earth that to me personally I can compare it to, a parent to a child. To me, this is my deepest sense of love that I can think of. And as I think about God the Father who not only allowed his son to go, but the Bible says that he sent his only begotten son to the cross with this same type of fierce love for me as his one and only son. Really? Because I, I love others very much, and I love to serve with all my heart. But 
not the same way I love my child? What would I do if the father asked me to send my son to die? Not just die, but die this horrible, gruesome death on top of it all. When he isn't even guilty, would I do that? You see, church, I'd like to say yes, but I don't feel that that would be true. The choice that God the Father made is described for me in one word, and it's strength. It's undoubtable. It's intense. It's undeniable. The largest amount of strength that I could ever imagine. And secondly, I look at Jesus' obedience through all the sacrifice. Not only did he come to this earth to do the miraculous, to turn the religious thinking upside down and to serve in everything he did, but he also came to bear upon his back all the weight of the sin of this world. And I can't even fathom how heavy that was for him to bear when it wasn't even his in the first place. See, I deserve the weight of my sin. I deserve death. I deserve guilt and I deserve shame. But he deserved none. Yet by obedience to his father, he was drawn to the cross to hold the weight all on his own. And once again, I think about myself and I ask, would I obey with that type of abandon? Would I serve others with a right heart knowing that I would bear their sin upon my back? I don't honestly know that I could answer that with a yes. Still, the king of kings, he obeyed. And he was led like a lamb to slaughter without fighting, without justifying, without having someone else defend him and save him. He went in humility. And he did it for me. He did it for you. And thirdly, I am always moved when I think of the gruesomeness of the cross. It was such a public display of humiliation. Everyone had a chance to judge you, to curse you, to acknowledge the wrong you've done and openly chastise you for that. You see, Christ... He didn't do anything to deserve it. I did. And he was beaten and torn to the place where he was unrecognizable. I can't even, I can't even fathom that. Beaten so severely that they couldn't even see past the blood to notice that he was still their king. He hadn't changed. I can't believe that something so raw and crass was displayed for all to see and even provoked. But once again, I try and put myself there. What would I have done that day? Would I have stood up and demanded that this isn't right? Stop. Would I have been sick to my stomach that one human could treat another that way? Or... Would I have been another one in the crowd, going with what everyone else was doing? 
not shouting for him, but shouting at him. Crucify him. Crucify him. So my obligation is quite large and is lifelong. I feel the need to make sure that each day I choose to live a life that would bring honor and glory to the king who laid down his life so that I could live. I want to please him in such a way that I could have the same love and obedience that he displayed for me. And I know it may not seem much in my eyes when I think of it. But in Christ's eyes, my daily sacrifice is all he wants. What does, the, what does the cross mean to me? When I, I, think, I think about the cross, I think, I think about 2,000 years ago, divine love and human misery converged on a cross. I think about the horrors of what that cross meant for those people of that time, but, but what it meant for humanity for all time. Because at that time, Caesar would exert his power by crucifying criminals. But Jesus, this is what astounds me, Jesus, Jesus shows the world his power by not exerting himself, but by submitting humbly to the cross. And he died a tragic, horrible death. The violence of humanity was pressed upon the Son of God, and he died. Jesus physically 2,000 years ago died. And so when I think about the cross, I think about what it means to me. I, I, I go to the biblical text and there's, there's, there's a word that comes up several times in the New Testament, but it's especially used in, in, in the Old Testament. It's the word propitiation. Now, we don't toss that word around a lot. It's not a word that we use all the time, but that word propitiation has deep, significant, biblical value for all of us. The word propitiation is used um, where John says this. John says, this is love. If you want to know what love is, this is what John says. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and that God sent his son and gave his son to be the propitiation for us. And that word propitiation means to be a substitute to be a sacrifice, to make atonement, to not only satisfy the law of God and not only to, to satisfy the wages of sin, which is death, but to eradicate it completely. Because in the Old Testament, the word propitiation was used over and over, and it was, it was used for the mercy seat where the high priest would go in and he would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifices on the mercy seat to atone for Israel's sins yet for another year. And this would go on and on and on. And we don't know how many untold gallons, millions of gallons of animal blood was spilt throughout the centuries to atone for humanity's sins. But we know this, none of it was enough. 
none of it was enough. But God, in this love, in this way He loved humanity, He sent Jesus. He sent His only Son to come and be the propitiation for us, to come and take the place that you and I deserve, and that is death. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Him. The Bible says that the iniquity of us all was put on Jesus. Jesus took not only the sins of Israel, but He took the sins of the world. But not only the world's sins, because that, that's, that's big and large, but it can be ambiguous. He took your sin. He took my sin. He took our guilt, our shame upon Himself. And Jesus became the final, the ultimate, the perfect sacrifice. John the Baptist, when he seen Jesus and he looked at crowds, he looked across and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that reminds me of another biblical term that's often translated from propitiation is expiation. And that means to take away. Propitiation means to stand in the gap, to take the place, to become the sacrifice. But expiation has a different meaning for us. And that word, this biblical word, means that Jesus doesn't just cover our sin. He doesn't just forgive us our sin. That would be amazing, but that's not enough. God goes the extra step. God doesn't just forgive your sin and my sin. God takes away our sin as if we never had any. The psalmist said that he takes away our sin as far as the east is to the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That's powerful. Jesus not only atones for our sins, he removes our sins. He obliterates our sins. He takes away our sins and removes them and eradicates them on the cross. So when I think about what the cross means, I look at, at, at Jesus and I see him as, yes, the sacrifice for the sins of Israel, but the sins of the world, but also that, that the love of God on display for you and I, that he would hang helplessly suspended between heaven and earth and he would die and his blood, his blood would be enough to end all sacrifices. His blood would be enough to stop all sacrifice that would be needed. For all of Israel, but not only all of Israel, for all of eternity, for the entire cosmos, Jesus' blood was just enough. It was just enough. Hallelujah. And when I think about that, and I think about what God has done in the benevolence of his son in giving the greatest gift the world has ever known, that he would watch his son die because he and Jesus knew one thing. Jesus knew this. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. What is that joy? The inclusion of you and I in the kingdom of God. The ransoming of sons and daughters. The liberation of men and women and boys and girls from the bondages of sin, death, and hell. Jesus paid the price. Jesus took the guilt. Jesus took the shame and he liberated us. And when we look at the cross, we can see those two words, and it's a way to remember those two biblical words that seem, uh, you know, theological or whatever. But those two words, when you look at the vertical post, it's propitiation. It means to stand in place of. And when we look at the horizontal post, it's expiation. It means to take away sins as far as the east is to the west. Behold tonight the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
I pray for all of us tonight as we reflect on what the cross means to us that, that we would ponder and we would think and we would feel the weight of the cross and what it cost God and what it cost Jesus, but what is also accomplished for us. So look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And when the Hebrew writer tells us that, he means to look away from everything else and look solely to Christ alone. Cling to the old rugged cross. Cling to the cross of Jesus Christ tonight and trust solely and completely in the finished work of Jesus. On a hill far away stood an old cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and the best was slain, so I cherish the old rugged cross, till my trophies at last I lay So despised by the world, wondrous attraction for me. Oh, the dear Lamb of God, left his glory above.
what the cross means to me. You know, looking back over my life, at five years old, while watching a preacher on television, I heard about Jesus for the very first time. I didn't know what the cross meant. I didn't know what it had done for me. I definitely didn't know what it would provide for my future. All I knew was that this man, Jesus, that I heard about, I wanted him inside my heart to live. But why was the question. Why would he do this for me? I was just a five-year-old little girl. I didn't deserve it. He didn't know me anything. Yet God, the Heavenly Father, considered me so valuable, so priceless, that he sent his son to die for me. It was an action that was off the hook, so bold, so crazy. Why? I didn't even know that I needed saved yet. It was as if I had been taken hostage or captive by this enemy that I didn't even know existed. Hmm. But all of a sudden, he came and he negotiated this beautiful exchange. And don't get me wrong, there was no money that exchanged hands for my life. It was real simple. It was his life for mine. He paid my ransom. The exchange looked like this. He died and I received life. He took my sin and my shame and I became spotless. He took my sickness and gave me health and wholeness. And he reached down inside and removed my brokenness and gave me a restored soul. This exchange literally shook the entire earth. And it's the history that you and I read about today. See, the Romans thought that if they killed him, they could make all this kingdom stuff go away. So they mocked him and they hung him. They crucified him and laid him in a tomb. But little did they know that when they rendered him powerless, that I and you became powerful. See, 40 years later, I know what the cross means to me. It means life. His life in exchange for mine.
Israel. I want to think about what the cross means to me. I, I always think that we like to rush past Good Friday and get the resurrection Sunday. You all heard the statement, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. We know the ending of the story. And we kind of like to rush there, not only for the celebration of uh, Resurrection Sunday, but, you know, family dinners and, and time with the kids, hunting for Easter eggs and, you know, getting candy. On, if you're like me, you still like to get a little bit on Easter Sunday, right? But we, we like the celebration aspect, and we kind of like to hurry past Good Friday, rush past a little bit. But, you know, Good Friday has big significance, and a significance that we need to spend some time in. Good Friday services don't have a lot of celebration. That, that's Sunday. That's coming. That, that's what we're going to do this Sunday over here by this empty tomb. Because Good Friday was a day where it all seemed lost. There was a death, an excruciating death. Those that were with Jesus didn't really understand what was happening. The one they thought would be the Messiah maybe wasn't going to be the Messiah after all. Good Friday because somebody they had followed was crucified. But we need, we need to focus on that because as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 23, we preach Christ crucified. As Rob had mentioned earlier, John the Baptist had claimed the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world if he saw Jesus approaching. Jesus said of himself, as recorded in Mark 10, 25, that he has come to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That ransom being payment made. See, there can be no resurrection without a crucifixion. There can be no resurrection without death. There can be no true life without death. There can be actually no new life without the ultimate final defeat of sin. That is the theme of Christian living. See, God so loved his lost creation that the light came into the darkness. God in flesh, God with us. And then in the most unconventional way, that light dragged the darkness to a cross. The darkness was exposed. It was judged. It was shamed. It was defeated. The light has overcome. It is finished. See, see the cross, it's in reality, the cross was a device of Roman capital punishment. It, the crucifixion wasn't unique to Jesus and the two that were crucified with him. There, there were thousands of people that were crucified by the Romans. But yet that cross has become the most enduring symbol of the Christian faith. Because of what Good Friday means. That's why we can't rush past it. So when I think of the cross, what the cross means to me, I think of it dually. I think of suffering, but I also think of victory. I think of agony, but I also think of overcoming. 
I think of sacrifice, but also true freedom. I think of shed blood, but I also think of, Father, forgive them. See, the crucifixion, obviously, the, the, the mode of operation, what it was to do was obviously was to kill somebody, but in the process, it was supposed to shame them, humiliate them, prolong suffering. It was brutal. As a matter of fact, the word excruciating has its roots in the crucifixion. That's where the word comes from. See, enduring this, Jesus... It may be the greatest demonstration of his love for us. It may be the greatest revelation of who God is, Christ on the cross. It is absolutely, positively the turning point of human history. And for whatever reason, this is the way, this is the mode of the way God decided to get this done. Death on a cross. This method, in this, Christ on the cross, Jesus came to fix this mess. And it's foolishness to the world. I mean, who wins by dying? Who would ever imagine that the creator God would come and willingly die? On the surface, it makes no sense. I mean, at his death, again, it just it seemed like it was all lost. But in that unconventional way, the way that seemed just to turn everything upside down the way it probably sh should have been done, Jesus on the cross reclaimed his creation, fixing the mess that we made of it, fixing me. Fixing you, fixing all things. Absolute, total redemption. So the cross means to me sacrifice, it means suffering, it means sin fully broken. And because of that, it means the possibilities of all things new. You see, you, you, can, you can read thousands of pages of atonement theology. You can study it upside down, backwards, you know, every way you can think about it. But it all comes down to a very simple statement. Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Do you believe? Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Do you believe? Amen. See, everybody was given a card at the beginning of service has in the front what the cross means to me. We're going to close out the service tonight in two ways. 
we can give me the opportunity to take some time and fill this out. Maybe if you have something to write with, I hope you do. If not, you can think about it. We're going to give you a few moments to actually write down what the cross means to you. Thoughts, maybe scripture verses that come to your mind, maybe some of your feelings. But before we do that, we're going to have a, a moment of silence just for a few seconds. At the end of that moment of silence, the band will go back into some worship for that period of time, take time to fill this card out. Then we have one more thing to close the service out tonight. So at the end of the time of filling out cards, don't leave. We have one more thing we want to do tonight. But leading into that moment of silence, let's, let me just put it this way. We're going to have silence for about 30 seconds, maybe a minute long. But Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's dying. Again, this excruciating, brutal torture that he endured. He finally, at the place that he commits his spirit to the Father, he says, it is finished. As Scripture records The curtain in the temple was torn in two, separating the most holy place. Earthquake shook. Things happened physically to the point that the centurion standing by said, surely this was the Son of God. But at the end of all that, there was silence. Maybe except for some of those that had stayed close and followed, maybe the weeping that could be heard from them. But there was this moment of silence. I don't know how long it, it lasted. It could have been a few moments, maybe not that long. I don't know. But there was at least a, a couple seconds of dead silence. But here's the thing. What could not be heard in that moment, that through all of God's creation, throughout the entire cosmos of what God had made, there was a victory reverberating because it had been done. The curse had finally been broken. Amen. We're going to take right now and enter into a moment of silence. And I want you to take time to fill out that card, what the cross means to me. Let's let the Holy Spirit touch our hearts for a moment.
with the 
tonight as we close out. Mark chapter 1, verse number 15, Jesus himself proclaimed, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Amen. We would be remiss to have a good Friday service but not give the opportunity for somebody to repent and believe the good news. Amen. I don't know, maybe, maybe you've been kind of wandering around in life and haven't been on the narrow way following Jesus like you should be. Maybe I've taken advantage of the forgiveness that God has afforded us. Or maybe you're sort of new, I don't know, and you haven't been around church much and you haven't really heard the message of the good news that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The wonderful thing about God and his love and through love, the grace that comes to us is it doesn't run out. You can't stop it if you simply accept it. And you come to him on his terms, which is him just saying, I have a gift for you. If you receive this gift, now just come follow me. And I'll show you what life's all about. This, this new life we're talking about a little bit tonight that we're going to talk more about Sunday. Sun, tonight, what the cross means to me, Sunday is going to be what the resurrection means to me. We're going to follow it up on Sunday. But see, all the celebration that we get to Sunday, well, you can start that in your heart tonight by receiving what the cross means to us. So maybe you kind of wandered away from the faith or, or maybe you've never been following Jesus at all. It's the gift that he offers, willingly offers us. And you just have to receive it by faith, believe. The Bible says, those who call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. That, that if you ask, repent of your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. It's a promise. So if you, everybody would just bow your heads and close your eyes. We're not going to have people come down front or anything like that tonight. But at your seat right where you are. If you need to ask for forgiveness of your sins, simply do so right now. It's a simple prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me my sins. You can pray that prayer yourself right now. Call on his name right now. Lord Jesus, save me, and he'll do so. just that simple. It's just that simple. Sometimes we lead you through prayer and all this stuff. Sometimes I just ask you to do it yourself. Because you got to do it yourself now anyways. you got to start praying and asking and to receive and things like that. Amen? Now, how about this? If you, if you just did that, you said, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. If you just cried out and said, Lord, save me. I'm not going to have you come down, but I want you to tell the person that with you, that brought you, 
or, or, or maybe they didn't bring you, just came with them tonight. Or maybe you're here by yourself and you need to come tell me, okay? But we want to confirm with somebody what you just did. Because the Christian faith is a community of believers, so we're supposed to help one another. Amen? So that person, I'm going to assume, is going to start praying with you and checking in with you and, and all those kind of things. So if you pray that tonight, you just cry out to God and ask for forgiveness for your sins. Tell somebody before you leave this place tonight. Amen? Amen. Well, we actually have prayer night tonight here at church from 9 to midnight. So if you want to stay, and you don't have to come back at night. If you want to start your prayer night now, you may do so, okay? They got a little rehearsal thing to do, but you can stay and pray. Uh, Rob will be here uh, directing prayer night tonight. But sunrise, 7 a.m., 10 a.m. service, celebration of the resurrection. Be here for that. But on your way out tonight, I want you to grab somebody, encourage them, and maybe, just maybe, just tell them one thing of what the cross means to you. Amen? Well, thank you for coming tonight. We'll see you on Sunday morning.